Good morning, everyone. For those that don't know me, my name is Tom Hamill. Uh, Pastor Lundy is on a study leave this week as part of his uh, degree program. And since we're coming up to Reformation Sunday next week, he thought it would be a, a good idea to bring back the Reverend John Witherspoon, who I'm addressed to, uh, <laughs> uh, to represent here. Uh, for those that are unfamiliar with the Reverend Witherspoon, uh, he was born in Scotland. He is a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he came to the colonies in uh, 1769 when he became the president of the university that would become Princeton University. Uh, he is, in fact, one of the uh, signers of the Declaration of Independence, so we thank him for that. And today I'm going to be presenting a portion of uh, one of his sermons on trusting the Lord. From Proverbs 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it and is safe. The wise man in our text points out what is the refuge and the security of every child of God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and is safe. Our comfort and peace as servants of God depends on it. In discoursing it, I shall endeavor in divine strength to explain what is to be understood by the name of the Lord, what is implied in the righteous running into it as a strong tower, point out the security that is attained by so doing, and in the last place, I shall make some application of the subject. I'll now step away from the, from the podium. The entire sermon is 35 pages long, which when you consider that it's on a single verse of the Bible is really quite astounding, to be honest. <laughs> uh, probably take a little bit over an hour to go through it. Uh, I was going to have Mary uh, lock the doors to make sure that... It... <laughs> no, we wanted to, wanted to cut it down so, so that we make sure we have our, our Sunday school uh, uh, time as well. Uh, but in doing so, we do have to lose quite a bit of the text. So I do recommend that if you have the opportunity to read the whole sermon, uh, there's a lot of richness and, and things in there that, uh, that you should go through. So I won't be going through uh, the first section, uh, what he means by, or what is meant by the name of the Lord. Uh, it's quite a great discourse on God the creator, God the protector. Uh, the second one is on the righteous running to the Lord as a strong tower. And one of the main points that he makes is that this running to the Lord as the strong tower is really an act of faith, and that you go through that act of faith through prayer. So now we turn to uh, section three. I'll be reading the bulk of section three on how this could actually be beneficial for you. God, many times, by the course of his providence, preserves his people from danger which they cannot otherwise escape. Every good man who has attended, if I may so speak, to his own history, must have observed that he hath been delivered from danger by means such as were in no way the effect of his own providence or foresight, nor indeed could be, and which therefore he is constrained to ascribe to the goodness and wisdom of providence. 
Nay, sometimes things fall out so contrary to human expectation and the ordinary course of things that he is constrained to wonder and to confess the very finger of God on his life. The Lord sometimes blasts the counsel of the wicked and makes their devices of none effect. The Egyptians, through, though the, thought the Israelites were so closed in the wilderness with the Red Sea before them and their army at their back, that it was impossible for them to escape. But God, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, opened a way for them through the midst of the waters, and their enemies were drowned in the depths of the sea. Haman, no doubt, thought his vengeance sure against the Jews. But when it was just ready to burst, God turned his devices against Haman and caused him to perish by the very means which he had contrived for the destruction of the innocent. I need not attempt, because indeed it is impossible, to enumerate the various ways by which the great disposer of all things works deliverance and danger. He sometimes changes the hearts of his enemies, as he did of Esau towards Jacob, and the Apostle Paul when breaking out threatenings against the church. He sometimes carves out uh, work for persecutors, as Saul was once and again called off from the pursuit of David by the Philistines. And sometimes he makes the intended evil prove a real blessing, as in the case of Joseph, in whose history we have one of the most beautiful drafts of providence that is anywhere to be seen, and done with that union of majesty and simplicity which so remarkably distinguishes the sacred writings. The whole 124th Psalm is a celebration of divine power and a hymn of praise for divine protection. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The security of the righteous consists in the promise of strength and support in the time of trial. Although God preserves his people from many dangers, yet was nowhere promised them deliverance from all. On the contrary, we are told that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution and that through much tribulation we must enter the kingdom of God. Yet even in these circumstances, they are safe because God is with them in their afflictions. His rod and his staff powerfully supports them. And, he, uh, and has he not promised to grant it? From Isaiah 43, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And has he not many times, in fact, granted it? And let me here make an observation, which I think is warranted both by Scripture and experience. That just as in point of duty, so also in point of suffering, the security and comfort of the people of God depends upon their running into, and if I may so express it, keeping within the bounds of their strong tower. If they keep close to God, no suffering will disconcert them. No enemy will terrify them. But if they neglect this, they may be unhinged by a very slight trial. Self-dependence will make men fall before a very trifling temptation. 
but dependence on divine strength will make them superior to the greatest. In the very same manner, it hath been often seen that persons who have lost their composure or lost their courage in sufferings of no extraordinary kind, when more severely tried, have behaved infinitely better, and being constrained to flee to God for protection, have found such benefit from it that they have slept in peace and comfort in a loathsome prison, have gone with an undaunted step to an ignominious scaffold, and embraced with joy and transport a halter or a stake. In the last place, the righteous is safe under the divine protection, as they are sure of deliverance in the end, and complete victory over all sufferings of every kind. Thus it is said from Psalm 24, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of their troubles. The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Having thus considered the nature of uh, the good man's security, I am now to consider the absolute certainty of it. I rest upon the divine protection, the divine promise, and the experience of the saints. First, the divine uh, perfection. Is there anything too hard for the Almighty? Is he not the Lord of nature, and are not all things obedient to his will? The great enemy of souls and all his instruments and agents are under the government of God. He sets bounds to their rage and will not suffer them to go so much as one hair's breadth beyond the limits he hath appointed for them. How great then must the security of those who put their trust in him. Again, consider his faithful promise. He hath said it. He hath repeated it. He hath sworn it that his covenant shall stand fast forever. Every page of the sacred oracles is full of the most gracious assurances, and these expressed in the most condescending terms. From Psalm 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wing shalt thou trust. His trust shall be thy shield and buckler. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And finally, consider the experience of the saints. They all, with one voice, bear their testimony to the divine faithfulness and mercy. It is with this particular view that the psalmist says, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. And indeed, in every age, Christians of standing and experience are ready to give their sanction to the certainty of God's promises, and will often confess with greatness the greatness of his past mercies, while even presently they are chiding their own impatience and distrust. That practice will not embolden them for the future and its trials. I come now to the last place, 
to make some practical improvement of what hath been said. And first, from what hath been said, you may see the sinfulness of distrust. God has laid so noble of a foundation for our dependence upon him. And are we still so backward to the duty? Is not distrust in some measure a denial of God himself, a denial of his presence, a denial of his perfections, and disbelief in his promises? Let us all be covered with shame when we consider how much we have already dishonored him in this respect. And let us pray that he may enable us henceforward not only to send up our cries to heaven for relief and distress, but to cast our cares and burdens upon him in the, in the faith that, we, that he will sustain us, that he will never suffer the righteous to be moved. The remedy of distrust is to be more and more acquainted with the name of God contemplate his glory in the visible creation he may be seen not only in the spreading out of the heavens like a curtain but in the formation of the meanest creature in a pile of grass or even in a grain of sand while you are daily tasting his gifts forget not to acknowledge his bounty in the rising sun the growing corn the falling rain. Think of his faithful word. Read his promises. Lay them up in your memories. Write them in your hearts. And especially the exceeding great and precious promise of the everlasting gospel, which may be yours, which you are entreated to accept as yours for receiving. And if, you, and if they be not yours, you shall render an account to him at the very last day for receiving them in vain. Think also of his providence. All you have seen and all you have felt of preserving goodness, of the redeeming grace, and continue to cleave upon him as your portion. In the psalmist's words, this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. In the last place, learn from hence what is the surest and shortest and indeed the only safe way of deliverance from suffering. Flee to God as your strong tower by prayer and supplication. But with this, endeavor by the renewed exercise of faith in your Redeemer's blood to ascertain your title to the favor of God. Endeavor by a steadfast adherence to your duty to commit your ways to God. And so soon and so far as you have good ground to know that you are his children, you ought to resist and banish every doubt of that security. From Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, and from verse 32 of the same chapter, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Thanks be to God.